Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. Hey, did you hear about the new JavaScript framework? No, what is it? It's called DuJour. They've applied continuous deployment to a framework, so it's constantly changing every day. So how do you tell that from every other JavaScript framework? (laughs) While a framework that changes daily sounds crazy, it's not that far off. Everyone loves to play with a new shiny thing. It's different and new and doesn't have all the emotional, stressful baggage as what you do day in and day out. We may need to learn new technologies to make ourselves more marketable. The thing is, there is a right and wrong way to do this resume-boosting development. And we're going to discuss what is resume-driven development and talk about when it is and is not appropriate to do it. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Everything. I'm on three critical projects right now um, in various capacities, and we have a release coming up, and we have some stuff for a client that, you know, some things weren't quite working the way they needed to work, and I've had to jump in on that, and then I've got other stuff kind of right over the horizon. So basically, I'm running around and going, okay, what am I closest to being on the critical path of? And then I just work on that for a day, and then I reevaluate. And then so like I'm just jumping between three projects. Nice. Yeah, Yeah, it's a little bit of a hair on fire (laughs) kind of situation. I'm learning a lot, um, particularly in regards to my pain tolerance. Um, Mostly, (laughs) uh, I've I've been I've been on a deep dive on uh, SQL hierarchy IDs. I know more about how that works than I would like. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's it's been fun. I'm also working on um, you know the a developer's guide to surviving whiteboard interviews. You know, I wrote that this spring, mm-hmm. then kind of sat on my butt for a little while. Uh, didn't really sit on my butt. I had a lot going on, and I've circled back and I'm trying to finish the edits on that so that we can then go to figure out how to market it. Mm-hmm. You know, I still haven't read it. That's okay. I want you to read it after I've gone through all the editing and caught all the stuff that I see. Okay, that's fair. That's because you fair. you catch where my writing style is screwed up, mainly because you'll read it in your head and you'll be you'll trip over it. <laughs> and I've got three years of experience of, of seeing that and going, that can't go in the show notes yeah. that way. <laughs> yeah. That's so that, point. That's, that's the idea. <laughs> Because because other, otherwise it won't get caught until it gets out and the spy goes what does this mean and yeah that makes perfect sense yeah. I, I follow your thought process there that and it's kind of embarrassing because I wrote it all in um, VS Code you know so like it doesn't even get a uh, spell checker highlight sometimes mm-hmm. I've noticed that's kind of squirrely I'm not sure why that is a, oh, a spell checker plugin doesn't always depends get it. on the plugin you're using actually or extension I should say it turns out that oh it's not even I don't have one installed right now. Um, so maybe after I rebuilt this box, I didn't install it. And that would be why it's not showing up consistently because it's on mm-hmm. the other one. Okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. So how about you? Well, I have been dealing with a lot of database stuff as well. Uh, creating views and changing data types on things that were built months and almost a year ago. Um, we're very close to production on the app that I've been working on for a while now. And... We're required to update to the data standards that came out after we started development because they want everything going into production. We've got the time to go in and make the changes, so they want everything to be kind of on the standard. I I agree with having to do this. Doesn't mean I enjoy having to do it. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I've kind of been there before, like retrofitting stuff after the fact is not not a lot of fun, especially stuff like changing data types in a database, because mm-hmm. a lot of times you're having to do pretty funky things to the tables to make that happen. Like you got to make a column that's of the new type, cop, you know, copy and convert, then delete the old column and then, and then rename. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what we're going through right now. And our DBA is also working on some critical things. So it's kind of hit or miss when her availability is. And so I did everything that I possibly could for this sprint around that so that when she was available, I could like just drop what I was doing and we could work together. And we got almost everything done yesterday. And there's like two pieces left to do that 
won't get done until tomorrow afternoon. You know, I've thought about it. I think you could actually make a random number generator by like putting an infrared sensor on the DBA's chair. <laughs> Most companies I've worked at, because you can't find them when you need them. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't like, you know, and it's completely random. I do think that would be a good random number seed. Yeah, because they're they're busy doing yeah. lots of stuff. Well, the data is the most important thing that your organization has. You're mm-hmm. building that. You know, that's what your app is for. It's to service that thing. Right. So, yeah, they're they're critical. Now, I also went down to my new house this past weekend. Well, I guess it's not quite mine yet. I don't move in until next month. But uh, actually, I will be moving in a couple of days after this episode comes out. So, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But- so, if you want to help Beach, contact him through Slack. <laughs> no. <laughs> Especially if you like to lift heavy oak furniture. <laughs> <laughs> and want to drive way outside of Nashville to do it. <laughs> hey, look, man. I need hey, I've help. Already, I've, I've already got a couple of people from work and then uh, some people from my church group, maybe, hopefully, that'll come help. So, and then, you know. Do they like oak furniture as much as you? I don't think they know about the oak furniture. Oh, so. yeah. It's Schadenfreude time. <laughs> All right. Um, and then, uh, then there's also a spider that lives like. Five, ten minutes away from me. So um, I don't know if he'll have to work or not, but I'm hoping he can come out and help too. But yeah, it, it's it's really cool. I, I'm really excited because I'm able to go down there and work on the house between now and when I move in because there's no one living there right now. Uh, and it's just basically sitting there empty. So it's really cool. But speaking of houses, I've got something for the home in IOTs. <laughs> So this is an IoT-based home automation project using Raspberry Pi. It automates home appliances and allows you to control them using any device that has a browser on it. It combines a Raspberry Pi with a microcontroller-based circuit that interacts with the IoT Gecko, which is a free online interface. Users send messages from that interface to the Raspberry Pi, allowing them to turn appliances on and off and other things. You could preheat your oven on your way home from work or turn on the coffee pot while you're laying in bed in the morning. Hmm. Though most coffee pots... They have most of them have a timer. Yeah. Um, but if you live in my neighborhood where the power goes out twice a week for three to five seconds, it's really nice to have something that doesn't rely on a clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll have a link to this project in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we got an email from Elvera Sandlin about the unit testing episode from a while back. It says, hello, nice testing content you have on your site. Thanks for your time. Cheers, Elvera. Well, thanks. We put a lot of effort into writing and recording that episode. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, Elvera, send us another message with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all of our episodes to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Google+. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. You can check us out each week on Facebook and Twitter Live, where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer some listener questions. Or join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. It's common to move jobs every three to five years as a developer to avoid stagnating in your knowledge. Some developers with 10 years experience really only have one or two years that have been repeated over and over again. When looking to switch jobs, you want to find some place where you can learn newer technology and grow as a developer and also get away from the stagnant code base that you're probably dealing with. In order to get into those positions, though, you usually need to have some experience with that new technology. It can be very tempting to bring it into your current job to gain that experience before leaving. What is considered resume-driven development is going to change with time. They will not be the newest or the most popular. Now, I have a quote from an article that was written in 2007 that says, In fact, resume-driven development is so prevalent these days that people will actually choose Java over Perl because Perl will not help my career. And that's a fairly accurate assessment looking at the job market. Yeah. Now, 11 years later. But what was what is funny is I don't know that people would choose Java now either, yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing is, is, if you're if you need you know regex 
at yeah. the level that Perl has it and a lot of the utilities, mm-hmm. that is the correct choice and Java would not have been. Right. So what I was getting at with this is that what is considered the new resume driven type of development won't always be the new stuff. Right. Because I remember when uh, Ruby on Rails came out and that oh, yeah. was the new hotness. You know, I got books and I actually sat by my boss from my job at that time when I was learning Ruby on Rails today mm-hmm. at lunch. Yeah. And, you know, kind of joked around about that. And we're still both doing .NET. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was messing around with Rails on the side, you know, trying to learn it for that reason. Of course, that helped you out with things that .NET stole from it. Yeah. It's one good thing is, you know, it's, it's nice to be in a black hole platform that sucks in all the light from the other platforms. It makes it a lot easier. You can learn the good stuff, but you don't really ever have to really use it in production, so you don't ever start hating it. That's true. Yeah. So, we're going to start off defining resume-driven development, sort of what does and does not qualify as resume-driven development. Then we'll discuss when it is and is not appropriate to use it. So, starting off, what is resume-driven development, or RDD? At its most basic, resume-driven development is the practice of picking new or popular technologies for your work in order to make your resume look more impressive. And this is, you know, for your day job, like you're doing paying work. Mm -hmm. This means using unfamiliar technology to solve a problem that could be solved with known technology. So... You know, something like, all right, I need to build a web page for this application. Um, and just a, even a static site would do for them. But I really want to learn all these new JavaScript libraries. So I'm going to build a, a single static p- site with Angular. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, I was, I'm going to build a single page application with Angular for the need of. You know, just a static site. Yeah. And the point here is you may not even know much about the stack that you're trying to use and what the limitations are before you start doing this. Resume-driven development can be very buzzword-driven. Yeah. In fact, it's almost entirely (laughs) buzzword-driven. Sometimes it's the newest thing. Other times it's the most popular or well-known. So, like, the newest thing right now is not Angular or React. No. But they are the most prevalent. They're the things you hear about all the time. They're what the cool kids are doing, so right. to speak. You and know? where the bulk of the job market is. Right. You know, for well-paying stuff. I heard about what some React developers are making, which was pretty shocking. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, it becomes a popularity contest between technologies, languages, frameworks, operating systems, modes of computing, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's not about what works best, but about who's the coolest. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like sport martial arts. Yeah. You know, it's like who has the coolest technique, not, you know, who can, who can just mop the floor with you. I think about um, like student government elections in high school or junior high is even worse. Oh yeah. Where it's not the person who actually wants to go into government or wants to make a difference, but it's about who has the most friends. Yeah, but which I'm not exactly sure how I got in student government. At that point then. Um, maybe nobody else ran. Maybe that's what happened. That's possible. Actually, that's probably explanatory. Yeah. Okay, so moving on. Um, not all use of new or popular technology is resume driven. That technology exists for a reason. It mm-hmm. solves a, a problem. If you're using something new or popular because the way it solves the problem is better, than your current technology, then it wouldn't be considered resume-driven. Right. You're just, you're picking it based on the project. Right. Another case may be when upgrading applications and systems to newer technologies so they're maintainable. It can be hard to find developers for older technologies. You have to pay them more as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't get the kid that's fresh out of school who is looking to build their resume with a new stuff, you know, and they're excited about it to learn techno- technology that's 15 years old. Right. No. And so you you want to upgrade that and also you you need to be looking at right right now moving forward but that 15-year-old technology in 10-15 more years there's not going to be anybody around. Yeah. In the job market that can do it. Yeah, but on the plus side, it's really easy to win in a competitive marketplace when all the competition is dead. <laughs> You know, you're basically a a small mammal right after the dinosaurs got wiped out. Pretty much. Resume-driven development is part of a larger problem 
called Principal Agent. Now, is that the guy that sells your house? No. <laughs> is that like the the lead guy that Neo got in a fight with? Possibly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the the principal agent problem can be described like this. You have a principal, which is say the manager, and the manager hires the agent or developer to build something. So the agent's interests are building up desirable skills. Because that's what they're paid for. Right. The principal's interest is in creating a great product using the correct tools for that. Yeah. And these interests may not align towards mutual benefit. Mm-hmm. If the principal allows the agent free reign, the agent will prosper and the principal will suffer. And if the principal says, no, you're going to do it this way, the agent eventually suffers. Right. So I found something really neat online for our, our next point. It's from rdd.io, um, which, and we added some comments to it, but it's a resume driven developers manifesto. And it's sort of based on the Agile Manifesto. So in 10 years, nobody's going to be following it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to say to the the developer, or uh, to the creators of RDD.io, if, if you, you know, contact us, because this is funny. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, shoot us an email or something. Um, but it's, it's four kind of principles of resume-driven development. And, and the first one is, we value specific technologies over working solutions. Nice. That is from the the Agile Manifesto is was it working working solutions over methodologies or something? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like I said, it's it's very. They did a great job. This is like U level parody. Oh Lord. <laughs> so it, what this would be is if you're building a single page application instead of just a regular web page for a blog, for instance. It's a focus on the technology used to build the application rather than the actual functionality or business purpose of the application itself. Yeah, which is fine with a toy app. Yeah. Right? Or something that you don't care about selling. Now, the next one is is also fun. We prefer hiring people with buzzwords over proven track records, which is hilarious because I'm pretty sure that that's uh, the HR department of a fair few technology companies anyway. <laughs> yep. This is the old keyword filtering of resumes. It can be dangerous listing out skills that you barely know. Yeah. So when I was interviewing, I had MVC and I had done one or two applications with MVC, not really that much. And I interviewed for a job and they raked me over the coals. Yeah. And I I think part of it too was I was interviewing a little above my ability yeah. And just, just to sort of, it was sort of a, to see if I could get it kind of thing to test myself. But, Ooh, I, I remember calling you afterwards. I'm like, man, I got to bone up on my MVC if I'm going to get a job. <laughs> yeah. So the next one, we desire creative job titles over technical experience. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's another fun one, right? Like, you know, if you're, um, you know, if your job title is some variant of a Magic the Gathering card, <laughs> You know, <laughs> makes you sound like you're really cool, but you actually can only have one health point. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I mixed metaphors a little bit there, but that's fine. So you're going to see this a lot more in the startup community or in kind of the Silicon Valley giant. Or people that think they are. Yeah. that's Those are the worst, actually, for doing that because they're like, oh, the cool kids are doing this. It's almost resume-driven development for the technical managers and the the mm-hmm. technocrats. It's like, oh, yeah. I ran a company that was forward thinking and we made up titles for you know our developers that just don't mean anything. You know? mm-hmm. It is less prevalent in your older or larger organizations. They just don't care about sounding cool. Well, there's that and they also have to come up with a pay grade for that yeah. position. And if you're, you know, if you sound like, you know, you might help uh, King Arthur take back his kingdom, they don't really know what to pay you. <laughs> As a rule. Yeah, they, they tend to have standard titles, job titles across the organization just to make that easier. So that, you know, especially in a larger organization where you may have multiple development departments. And so that you're not calling someone a knight of the round table right. in this, this organization and then a stormtrooper in this other part of the organization. Right, because you're switching from being a tank to being DPS that aims badly. <laughs> <laughs> 
right, right. <laughs> yeah, just like totally. There's a whole bunch of people out there going, man, I didn't realize he was that much of a dork. He is, guys. Surprise. He is. <laughs> Um, guys, these cool creative titles also don't translate well to jobs outside of that organization. Which is why they give them to you. It's to keep you there. Yeah. So when you put it on your resume that, you know, I was a knight of the round table at XYZ organization. Do you dance whenever you're able? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You know, and <laughs> I really hate that trend. I just want to point that out. That's why I'm just like raking it over the coals. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's neat, but if and, and here's the thing: if you neat are going, is the way you should drink scotch, yeah. not have a job title. Well, here's the thing: if you're going from startup to startup, and you're that's your thing, then it's okay. So the next one: we would rather react to trends over selecting more pragmatic options. Yeah, um, a leaf in the winds of change rather than an oak enjoying the breeze. Good way to put yeah. that. It's this is I don't even know how to say this. It's other than than the leaf in the wind because you're you're not stable. Well, have you seen people that um, and you'll see this with programming languages and platforms, but um, people that know you know one human spoken language know it well. People that are bilingual tend to do pretty well. You start getting to like three, four, five languages, and you find that in most of the languages, they don't really sound very intelligent when they talk in that language because they're so used to, you know, they, they never really got the deep dive in something. Mm -hmm. And that's what this does at an organizational level. And yeah. oh, by the way, your code's running on somebody else's system and handling critical business processes. Mm -hmm. So stability may not be the coolest, sexiest thing in technology, but it's something important to the people using that technology. Yeah. However, if you don't like stability, you can always push out a Windows update. <laughs> <laughs> or go work for Facebook. I got burned this morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it happened to me last night while I was working on stuff. I had to actually yeah. turn Wi-Fi off on my laptop yeah. to get things done. I had some decom process that was taking like 15 gigs of RAM. Yeah. Just, I mean, it went nuts. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, this box, it's brand new. And it was just, I mean, I couldn't move. The, like, the mouse was not keeping up. Yeah, that's what, I, I couldn't click on things. And I'm like, what is the, you know? I think, I think I told you last night, I'm like, my laptop is acting like the crap top used to. Yeah. So anyway, stability. <laughs> so let's talk about why coworkers end up detesting resume-driven development. Instead of learning on their own time, developers are using company time and resources to learn. Now, there's a value to that, right? But it has to be valuable to the employer. Otherwise, you're effectively stealing. Yeah. Now, you can make a pretty good case for a lot of stuff being valuable to the employer that the employer doesn't necessarily agree with. Mm -hmm. But, you know, effectively, that's what you're doing. It's a waste of resources as well. Yeah. The technology may not be suited for your particular problem. Yeah. And a lot so of times they don't even, it's not anything close to what they're using. Yeah. So you're, you're wasting your time and their time. And electricity, you're pulling stuff onto their system that maybe destabilizes your actual development system. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And it may require, you know, well, the technology might not be suited for the problem that that company has, and it may require changing other areas just to suit the technology. Because the other thing that resume-driven developers love to do is try to advocate for business process change mm -hmm. so that they can use the cool tech. Yep. We should have an Android client. We don't do anything on mobile, but we should have one. <laughs> but yeah. we're a medical device company, <laughs> but we should have an Android client. Why? <laughs> Yeah, I was I was not thinking that ridiculous. I mean, I've on seen this, some stuff yeah. where you're just like, what? Yeah, I know, I know. I was I was like more thinking, you know, something of, oh, we we build .NET MVC and we produce views and things like that, and them going, oh, well, we need to start building our APIs, you know, like web API and returning JSON so that we can use this new front end technology. Right. Let's make a single page app where we don't really need one. Yeah, I see a lot, a lot of that. I think about 90% of them are that way that yeah. I deal with. I'm like, why is this a single page app? And oh, by the way, they implemented it poorly because they didn't know it well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting to be a big issue. Now, one of the things that really, really makes people cranky is, you know, you build something like that and you're not being monitored 
And now the other developers have to learn it mm-hmm. just to be able to get through the code and fix things. Well, and means- they get judged based off of their ability to fix it, even though it's in a platform they never used. Yeah. This means extra time spent learning that technology and not addressing actual development. So they have to go out and either you know, take a course on it on you know during the week on company time or go through a yeah. tutorial. Let me tell you what actually happens. <laughs> what actually happens is is the company holds them accountable for getting stuff fixed and they don't have the ability to fix it and they have to spend their own time. Yeah. Way too much. I've been uh, you know this is a rodeo I've ridden at before. It can require a company to hire a less desirable employee just because they know that technology. So the pompous, you know, 22-year-old kid that talks down to the old man that's been coding here forever gets hired because, hey, the last developer, made, you know, they use this whiz-bang technology framework and we can't spare the time with the old developer. Mm-hmm. So now we, get a, we have somebody that maybe isn't a really good match for our organization. And, oh, by the way, they're going to be gone in a year. Yeah. It may not even just be a bad match. Like for the the team, it could be that that's the only thing they really know how to do. Yeah, and so you bring them in, and that is ten percent. But they're the only person that can do that ten percent. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then the rest of the time they're just sitting there not doing anything or dropping all the foreign key constraints in the database because those get in their way. I've seen that one too. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> it can be a lot worse than you think. <laughs> Trends don't always last and a company may be stuck with unmaintainable code and no way to replace it if that new technology doesn't take off or gets replaced with something else it's hard to find developers to maintain it <laughs> like i don't know silverlight flash yeah. yeah there's a there's a lot of things out there that came and went yeah um trends change and the thing is some of these like silverlight was it was built based on a whole architecture that went away yeah and you know, there's not a whole lot you could do with it. Now, those developers could transition to WPF, mm-hmm. but WPF developers have a harder time with Silverlight because Silverlight is kind of stripped down. And they're like, oh, I can do it this way. It's like, oh, yeah, that whole set of libraries is not there. Yeah, And it, it hurts. Like, the rest of the team is just burned with stuff like that. I mean, I saw a lot of projects that should have been using Ajax and mm-hmm. simple JavaScript back in the day, and they dumped Silverlight in there, and then they had to roll that back out later. Yeah. Of course, they also got to do that with better JavaScript frameworks when the time came instead of jQuery spaghetti. Very, very lucky. Yeah. But the the thing is, and for those of you guys not familiar with what happened with Silverlight is it was based on plugin architecture. And when the browsers changed and no longer were using plugin based architecture. Yeah. Unless they really, really trusted them. I mean, that was the thing too. I think it was, was it Apple that said, yeah, we're not going to let Microsoft code run on our stuff. It was yeah. It was Apple. They they kind of killed a lot of stuff. Yeah. Apple's been um, a pretty good bulwark, really, against the whole auto-update mm-hmm. madness that's going on. It's it's making me like them in spite of the fact that I really don't want to. Um, <laughs> you know, I develop on a Mac at work. Yeah. And I the next computer I buy is going to be one. Yeah. They might win me over, too. Yeah. It's, yeah, I understand. Now, we've been talking about developers doing this resume-driven development, but it's not just the developers that do it. When hiring developers, management may also engage in this resume-driven development mentality. There is this desire to hire a developer with the same skill set as the one that left. Yeah, and the developer that left was an expert, in quotes, in the new technology, which meant that they never actually deployed anything, Mm -hmm. usually, but they could make it look really nice in meetings. Yes. And then management wants to hire someone that is an expert in that technology, even though they may not have any of the other skill sets needed. Yeah, they may not be a good fit with the team, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And that, you know, the tech may be going the other way, too. They may decide to get away from that. The person in management may also want to say that they managed a team using a certain new technology. Like so, anything with the cloud in it. Yeah. So they will push that on the team and tell them they need to do this. And they'll also do that with methodology. That's that honestly in the early days of Agile, that's how it got so big. Is there were a lot of managers that are like, oh, we're gonna do this, even though hey, none of your developers program that way. Yeah. But they're gonna force that on. And, you know, it helped Agile get uptake, but it's also part of what has made Agile kind of not work in a lot of organizations is because it was not put in place by somebody that knew what it was. They wanted the buzzword. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen, and I've then seen it became that. permanent. Yeah, I've seen that with with people I've talked to and places that I have done a little consulting with. It's like, yeah, you guys, you got all the right words. You, you, the the words are there. Yeah, <laughs> the the action behind them and what they actually mean, maybe not so much. Yeah, it's a little bit of word salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing is this happens instead of hiring a person to fill the need of the company. So where they go out and they hire someone that does the thing that they want so they can say they manage a team that did it or they want to fill the position of the quote-unquote expert. Right. And that person just, it's not what the company needs. They, Like I said earlier, they can do that one technology and they may, you know, you may be a .NET uh, shop and this person does mean stack, but they got hired because, you know, they could do the new JavaScript framework. Right. That is, you know, in one of your products out of 10. And it's version one of that framework, which means that it is completely incompatible with version two because they find all the problems later. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and this happens all the time. Now, uh, another thing that will occur is salespeople may tell customers a product was built in a particular technology because the customers think that's cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, This may be due to a lack of technical understanding on the part of the salesperson. So, you know, the app's built in Java and it is a desktop app and they go, oh, yeah, it's JavaScript. (laughs) You know, like they they don't know. It could also be that they overheard developers talking about a new technology and misunderstood it. I can really see this where developers are, you know, just sitting around talking about the the new hotness going, oh, this is really cool about it and this and that. Or even, you know, somebody brings code in and they show their friends what they did at home. Yeah. I've seen that happen a few times. And the, the salesperson overhears it. And so they think that's what we have. Um, I, I wonder how much of the single page applications came about because of this. Yeah. Where salespeople heard someone talking about it and then they went out and told customers. Probably, you know, at least some. In any case, they may make promises that force developers to use something they wouldn't normally use. Now, this is also bad um, when you've got outsourced development shops. And it's like, hey, you know, we're building this tech and we want to use this this stack. But this, the stack that the developers are good at is something else. But they're getting forced to use something maybe that's not even in the best interest of that product, <laughs> you know, product they're building. Yeah, I, I've seen some... Some things, some of like the older code that was, when I look at it, now that I'm learning Java in school, I'm going, that that seems kind of Java-esque. Like, you yeah. know, why, like, why are you building it that way with like all those abstractions, you know, your abstract factory factory? Yeah. And I'm like, that, that's not really .NET style. Even for older code, that's not .NET style. That's more Java style. Yeah, they kind of hammer something in that. Yeah. You know, probably should have been in a different language. Now, customers, subject matter experts, and the business team may also want to add a new technology for various reasons. Um, I've seen people get really on the open source bandwagon. and We're going to switch everything over to Linux and all this stuff, right? That's great, but you have to make sure that you can actually deliver on stuff. The worst thing in the world is, oh, yeah, we're going to switch to Linux and everybody runs a Windows VM anyway because we all have Photoshop. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, uh, there, there's dynamics like that happen. This can be difficult when a C-level executive asks you to use a technology that may not be the right choice. You know, they really love JavaScript. You're doing desktop apps. Guess what? Hello, Electron. <laughs> okay, I've never heard that. I was thinking more of either they heard something or they they read an article and like, oh, this is really neat. I want you guys to to do this with our thing, yeah. especially if it's a newer thing or if it's a um, a smaller startup type company. Yeah, David Neal had this great graphic um, that he made that said, you know, note to executives, here's a decision tree for if you need blockchain. <laughs> and it's, you know, it had the diamond and said, oh, do yeah. you need blockchain? And then the arrow went down to no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. But, but it happens, you know, customers hear about stuff and they want it used in the product, even if it doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. Yeah, and it, that's that's the thing. And this is where, as developers, we have to come in and be like, all right, this is one of the things I like about a lot of the agile methodologies, um, especially because I, I work in Scrum. And so, especially with that is they may ask for something. And then as a developer, I can come in and go, all right, 
yeah, what's the purpose of this? Yeah. Like, what, what is that actually getting us? Yeah, I mean, I had some of these conversations just the other day where I was like, all right, I know you want this, but this is the reasons why we shouldn't do that. Here's a better or different option. Yeah, and, and those reasons, by the way, could be, hey, this is the perfect option for the product, but we don't have a team that can do that. That's very true. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've had to do that, you know, or we you know, we have a platform, you know, we have technical debt that's that's in the way and and you're not going to spend the time and money to get rid of that tech debt. So this other thing isn't going to work. Um, you know, we have some stuff where we cannot use Angular for our product because of the way that security and some other things are just like set up. There's a lot of weird stuff in there mm-hmm. that's old and we're gradually chipping away at it. We couldn't use Angular, but I could drop knockout in there in a morning. And, you know, I, I could see somebody coming and going, oh, you need to do this in Angular, but it doesn't make sense for what we're doing. And the team couldn't have done it at that point. Mm-hmm. I think they could now. But Knockout, I was able to show everybody how to do it in like an hour. Yeah. And the, the other thing, too, here is they, they may, you know, you may have customers that hear about Angular and like how they can do, you can do all this stuff with Angular and how it's really great and awesome. And it really is really cool. It's got a lot of really neat things in it, but they don't know the history of the application. They don't know the the technical details involved right. and why they can't do that. Technically, development managers should handle these kind of conversations, but it may fall on you as a developer to explain why that newest technology may not be the best for what you're building. Well, you know, I liken this to the discussion about solar power, mm-hmm. right? Like it would be really cool if everything was solar powered. However, there are hurdles that have to be overcome. It's not just you drop a solar panel out there and you plug it in because it's all the same, right? You know, that's DC power. It's not AC. Or Marvel. Well played. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it won't plug into what you got. And you have to show those, those problems beforehand and go, hey, look, if we do this, and this may be a really good solution, mm-hmm. but you're not seeing all the stuff that has to happen for that to work. And whatever downsides there are, like, you know, it's dark, it's cloudy, I got to wash the thing off because there's dust blowing around. You know, like a lot of times decisions are made on cool factor, not on here's what we can actually do with it and what we can deliver. And really what you're doing here is you're trying to surface those things so that now you can have that discussion. Uh, I remember I had a friend of mine talking about solar power. He had a a little solar panel that folded up that he could take out and charge his motorcycle with it. And yeah, you, you better expect to go sit in a bar and have a beer or two to charge it up enough to start. Yeah. (laughs) I remember if we, uh, we were in class and we came out and, uh, his bike wouldn't start. He got that thing out and he, he set it down and I was like, I looked at him and was like, man, you want to just like roll it up to the, the side of the building and use mine that plugs into the wall and has a converter and you can just like hook it in and start your bike. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, it's like, like awkward, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you, you're right. You know, it's you got to put a big things. sail on there and had a fan. There you go. That'll work too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just doesn't. Uh, yeah, sometimes you just have to explain this stuff to people because it is. It's like at that level of mm-hmm. of thought process. So it, it's just no. this thing. Now, resume driven development is not always bad. Yeah, we've been talking about a lot of the negatives throughout this episode, but we kind of wanted to close out on, you know, it's, you do need to build up your resume, especially if you're wanting to move on. Um, and we have a quote here from Paul E. Davis that says, in the end, if developers are not concerned with their own careers, it's not likely that they will be concerned with your business. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is, if you are hiring people, right, you want to make things good enough that they don't want to leave and make them skilled enough where they can. That's the sweet spot that you really want to aim for. And there's a lot of companies out there that will bring somebody in and not want them to learn anything. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, do your job and we're not going to help your career. What happens is the least motivated people end up being the people that they have because everybody else leaves and... If you assume X percentage of the population is lazy, eventually those people get in and they don't go anywhere because it's hard for them to move. Yeah. And you you get the dead sea effect. That's what this is. We're going to talk about a few times where it is appropriate to do resume-driven development. 
Yeah. And the first one is my favorite, which is personal projects. That's the ideal place to screw around with new technologies to build your resume. I built a recipe app in um, Access, VBA, Visual Basic, C Sharp, PHP, Ruby, Python, Node, something else that I can't recall. Right. Because it's, it, you know, the constraints, you try it, you yeah. see what the, the platform that, will do. That, that makes perfect sense. Now, if you had built a resume app, I would, I would have said that's very meta, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, at least it wasn't a calculator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing about this is if what you're building fails, you're not out of a job. And neither are your coworkers. Also, you can choose how and when to apply the new technology. Yeah. It doesn't go across the board. You could say, hey, look, this one piece, I'm not doing it in this. You know, I can't do this complicated chunk of code in the new whizbang link thing that came out in .NET, right? Yeah. Like 2008, there, there were people putting stuff in link that was just ridiculous. It's like, you can barely write a stored proc to do this. <laughs> and you're doing it in link because why? So you can make choices like that. And, and by the way, learning to make those choices... With technology where you don't, where, you know, where there's unknown unknowns, that's a really good management skill. Like you're not just building your resume with tech, but you're going, hey, I can show you. Here's the decisions I made, why I made them. That's managerial mm -hmm. in nature. Also, you're able to work at your own pace without the pressure of deadlines. Yeah. So this reduces stress when learning that new technology. And you can drink a beer while you do it. Yep. Um, you can, you know, use excessive profanity if you're on certain platforms that is quite helpful. Somewhat necessary. Yeah. Um, and it lets you take the time you need to research or to go through tutorials or to make mistakes and just like spin out some code and go, oh, this is terrible. Two days later, you rip it out. You do, you do that at your day job. Questions get asked. You do it a lot. Answers get given. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's, you do this every once in a while. Yeah. Um, on something really complicated. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, that's the process of, of figuring out how to make that work. Yeah. You do this all the time on simple things. Yeah. And simple is in air quotes, right? Because yeah. that's management's version of simple. Yeah. yeah. And they don't know. And they're they're working from incomplete information, too. Mm -hmm. You don't want to put them in a position where they feel like, you know, kicking you out the door is a good idea. Just as a rule. Next, one-off projects that are not mission critical uh, can be a good way to sneak a little bit of resume-driven development in at work. These projects are ones that may not be part of your regular product. So little one-offs for clients like customizations, um, that's a good spot to do this. Also, weird little corners of the app that not yeah. many people use. That can be a place to try patterns and stuff out and see how they work. And then you show it to the team and go, yeah, it's already in the system. Here's a proof of concept and you can pull that down. Mm -hmm. So they can be things built for internal customers or for your own development team. I am currently working on building a logging reader. So I've got us, I got everybody on board with logging. We're logging to a database and now I'm working on a way to read that and display it. So it's easier. We don't have to go into the database to see the logs. We can just go to that application. Well, it's only ever going to be looked at by developers, maybe QA, maybe the BAs if they're like doing some smoke testing or stuff like that. But, you know, mostly developers looking at it. You're not going to get fired for it, you know sucking a little bit like they can still there's a backdrop yeah like the you know we could always go back and just look in the in the database yeah and, and i've see. done a little bit of this with like little dinky code generators and stuff like yeah. that you know that's a really good thing too because you can go hey i use this new technology and oh by the way i saved the development team time mm -hmm. these are these are things like tools to help the team these need to be projects that will require little or no maintenance yeah, so that it needs key. to be very, very stable, mm -hmm. very, very limited in scope, very small audience, very technical audience who can get around it if it doesn't work. Like I said, with this with this logging, it's mainly for the developers just to make it easier yeah. to, to view the logs um, and not have to... The, the big thing I want to be able to do is not have to sort through all the other application logs. I want to pull back just mine right. in a certain time frame. And so and that, maybe a certain severity level and that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah. The the key here is once you're gone, if what you built breaks, it can go away. Yeah. Or somebody else that really wants to learn that 
could take it and it could be their own resume-driven development project. Right. They may port it to a new framework. When you're doing this, you need to keep in mind that you don't want to throw your other de- team members under the bus. Right. But if they jump under it by themselves, that's fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, another way to get some newer technology into your system is if you can build something for a client using that technology. So you may be able to find some side work or contract work building something in the technology that you want to learn. Yeah, this gives you the chance to build actual production code, which is going to be you know completely different than yeah. just a toy app. Like you get to learn all the tooling and all the stuff that mm-hmm. goes around it. To do this, you'll likely need to have already taken some tutorials and know at least the basics. And you might also, you know, for instance, if you got a friend that needs something built, you give them a discount. Go, hey, I'm going to use this new tech. Here's why. Here's what I'm doing. You know, I'm cutting you a deal. Mm-hmm. And do that and just go, hey, look, I'm taking the hit on the money I'm making so that I can learn this new tech. Right. The the other thing is you you may um, take a lower, like a, a hit on money, but you, you may take a, a lower pay for working with a team that's doing that right. you know, on the side. So there, that that's the thing. It's you're making it, you're trading off the uh, amount of money you could make on the side for the learning. Proof of concept development allows you to build something to show that it's possible. So this is outside of your normal workload. So it's extra work to add to your resume. So you might, for instance, go, okay, I want to show that we could do this here. I'm going to take my own time and I'm going to build something Mm -hmm. and take it and go, here's what I did. Here's what I learned. Show it to the team. Here's what I think we can get out of it. Now you can make a case to management because you're informed. And you, you have something to show them. Uh, this may lead to your company adopting the new technology. Yeah, because now it's industry-driven development. Right. And, you know, the, the thing is, is if you're going to propose new tech, you need to look like a consultant, not a contractor. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what this does for you. It puts you in that position of expertise when you come in. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you can then say you not only worked in that tech, but you brought that into the company. Yeah. Because, hey, guess what? When the hiring manager at the next company is doing their own resume-driven development and they want to hire a guy to bring the tech in so they can say they managed a team of those kind of people, you're the guy that brought it in somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that works real well. Um, And on on the flip side of that, if you leave on good terms um, and get references from that company, they'll brag that, hey, you know, yeah, he's, he's really great. He brought this technology into us. Yeah, because, I mean, you and uh, Dave, you built that Alexa app. Yeah, so Dave from JDT and I built an Alexa app that um, we took a workshop on it at Music City Code. And we were like, this is really cool. We want to do this. You know, we're a .NET shop, but it's a node. It's really cool. And so we we did that on our own time, like over a couple of weekends. We brought it in as one of our dev chats. And it was just sort of, hey, Look at this cool new thing. This is something that we could do that is really cool. And it kind of grew from there. So our management went and talked to some other management and had, we ended up presenting it to a group of higher ups who were like, hey, check this out. It's really cool. Yeah. Cause I could see um, your department maybe, you know, they would use that possibly, but there's some, you know, there's some possibilities just across the organization. Like you could inspire people in other departments. Like I would love, for instance, for TDOT to have that so that it would tell me, hey, yo dog, we've destroyed all the roads that go everywhere from your house. <laughs> Not that I don't already know that, but it would be cool, right? They could tell me. Yeah. And yeah. then I could, you know, maybe like record that and play it on the phone of my boss and go working from home from now on. <laughs> Alexa says I can't leave. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's really cool. And the thing that, thing that has brought in is now they're talking about possibly doing some other stuff in node because it's like oh hey our developers can do this there's some stuff that we wanted to do that really isn't good with net but node can do like a mean stack kind of thing yeah and it's like hey we can we can do this and our front end developers can can work on it and our back end and it's really cool so it's it has brought us even more than what we were just like, hey, look at this cool thing that we did. Yeah, you're kind of stirring up the water to catch the fish. Yeah. So guys, most developers enjoy using the latest, coolest tools and technologies in what they do. However, over time, the new becomes the standard and then that becomes the old. Uh, Something new will come out 
And in today's world, especially JavaScript, it's more frequent than ever. In most cases, resume-driven development is considered a bad idea, especially on the job. It can cause problems for your coworkers and the company down the line, even after you're gone. If you suspect someone that you work with is kind of doing some resume-driven development, you know, ask them why they're choosing the particular technologies to solve the problems that they're having. They may be bringing something that is good to the table, or you may prevent them from disrupting your code base before they leave for something better. Yeah. And that pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I want to point out something that, you know, again, I, I guess kind of comes out of the episode, and that is to be really careful, especially with yourself. Like if you are engaging in a behavior that's really not optimal, but you get positive results initially, pay real close attention to that because usually the positive results go away and the behavior persists. You know, Beej and I were kind of talking about this, the way that we build uh, show outlines. And we did several in a row one way um, for various reasons, and it, it worked out really well. And it was not appropriate for the long-term health of the podcast. It was a bad way to approach things that worked for two or three episodes in a row, and it kind of burned us a little bit today. And you've got to be very cognizant of that. Like, catch yourself when you're, when you're undertaking action that worked previously. If it has kind of stopped working, you need to reevaluate it. And resume-driven development is a great example of that, right? Like you, you're early in your career, you build something on the clock, you get a promotion, pay raise, go somewhere else kind of thing. By the time you're a mid-level developer, it's pretty damaging. And by the time you're a senior developer, it's real damaging. It's a bad behavior that you didn't check before it started having negative consequences. So just pay attention to that. And that's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.